ASBC, welcome to the service. We're so glad you've tuned in with us today. We're excited to worship the Lord this morning. We're going to be doing that in three ways today. Firstly, we're going to worship God through hearing His Word as we journey through our second installment of the book of Joshua, A Call to Courage. Secondly, we can worship God through giving this morning and choosing to honour Him with our finances. And thirdly, we can worship God this morning through song. Today, instead of giving you a link to follow at the end of the sermon, that'll lead you to some lyric videos, a familiar worship leader to you pop up on screen and lead us through an acoustic set and hopefully it'll be a fresh way for us to worship God in song together as the SBC community today. I have one quick announcement to let you know about and that is that next week Saturday the 9th of May we're going to have our second fun night on YouTube and so if you enjoyed it last week or perhaps if you missed out and you want to see what it was all about you can tune in this coming Saturday eight o'clock on YouTube we'll be having another fun night so more fun and games and good laughs to foster community amongst our SBC family. So we hope that you'll join us for that. I'm gonna hand over to Nikki now. She's got a next gen update for us. And then Mark and Nita Wood are gonna pray us into the service. And then Matt will kick us off with part two of A Call to Courage. Enjoy the service and we hope to see you soon. Morning. Wow, and I'm missing your children. I miss these smiley faces. I miss these stories. I miss all your energy and activity but I also really miss being able to open God's word with them, to see what God is saying to them and to us, to worship with them and to pray. I really miss sharing their journey towards Jesus and then towards maturity. And I'm sure that you as a family have been able to have great moments of journeying um, and sharing faith. I hope that the emails that we send out every week have been helpful, that those videos have been fun, that the activities have got you talking, and that you've had great moments of connection with each other and with the Lord. Now we know that faith at home is difficult. And so last week we set up a Facebook group. Um, that group is called SBC Kids Ministry. And you can join that to become part of the community where we talk about how we share our faith where we share our successes and we also share our failures, those things that we need help with, and those things that we can share to help others. Let's do this journey together and partner in sharing faith. And then on Wednesday next week, you can expect in your WhatsApp groups a little two and a half minute clip on Faith at Home. What we want to do each week is to encourage you to share your faith with your children, to equip you to know exactly how to do that and to share some of the successes and some of the failures that we've had as families in the church. And so I hope that that is something that becomes a useful resource and tool for you. This is gonna be a long journey towards being back at church again. We want our children to continue to grow in Jesus. That is my heart for them and I know that is your heart for them as parents. And so as you keep making it a priority, know that we keep making a priority of praying for you and for your children. And um, we know that we will have great stories to share as God gets the glory. Good morning, church. Greetings from the Wood family. Uh, it is such a privilege to be with you this morning in uh, worship and fellowship in God's word. And as we enter into May and uh, a new level of lockdown, we celebrate that we're making progress. We also acknowledge that it's still very tough out there for a lot of us. We want you to know that we uh, love you and we miss you and we're praying for you. We just want to bring you a word of encouragement from the book of Luke. In Luke 11, there's the account of Jesus driving out a demon out of a man and then being accused of worshipping the prince of demons. 
And Jesus gives a very insightful and wise response. And I encourage you to go read that. But from verse 27, it says, As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. I think often we think like this woman and we look at what people have or the children they have, the parents they have, and we think that they are blessed. But I just want to highlight here what Jesus' response to that is. His response is that rather those who hear the word of God and obey it is blessed. So we just really pray that um, as Matt brings the word today, that you all will be blessed, that you will be um, hearing God's word and that you'll be able to apply it in the week to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this awesome privilege of hearing your word. Thank you for uh, blessing Matt with the gift of teaching. And we're praying that today our hearts would be softened and that you would give us spirits of obedience to follow everything that you lay out before us. Thank you that you are our leader and we can follow you. And I pray, Lord, that we would be fruitful for your service in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Over to you, Matt. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Sunday online service. And again, welcome to anybody who's joined us for the first time. And uh, if you've been tracking with us over the last few weeks, you'll know that it's part two of Joshua, our series called A Call to Courage. And uh, we've been looking at the life of Joshua, and we're going to be looking at the life of the Israelites and learning what we can about courageous faith. And uh, so if you missed last week's sermon, part one, I'd encourage you to uh, catch up with us. It is available online. And uh, we have Caitlin Jones this morning who's going to be reading the text today from Joshua chapter 2, verse 1 to 16. Over to you, Caitlin. Hi, everyone. Let's read God's word together. Joshua 2, verse 1 to 16. And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, 
and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. Thanks, Caitlin. So in chapter two, there are two things I'd like us to look at that teach us about courageous faith. The first is Joshua sending out spies into the promised land to look at the nearby land, particularly Jericho, um, as something that we can learn from uh, when looking at courageous faith. Uh, the second is Rahab and her faith and what we can learn from her. And both are worthy of their own messages. And so today we're going to preach part one, which is looking at uh, what we can learn about courageous faith uh, from Joshua sending out spies into the promised land first. And so let's get started. The first point today I want to talk about is this principle of the next step. Uh, and it comes through in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, in the opening verse. Uh, and it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. Now, when I read that, I thought to myself, what an odd opening for the next chapter, after such a glorious chapter, chapter 1. Here in chapter 1, you've got Joshua with the people, and God commands Joshua to be strong and courageous and just before this verse, the people say to Joshua, hey, you be strong and courageous. We're going to get our courage from you as our leader. And the very next thing Joshua does is he sends out spies secretly. And it seems a bit out of step. Uh, I mean, I'll just be honest, it looks a bit wussy to me. I mean, yeah, you've got this commissioning of Joshua, be strong and courageous and be like, yeah, let's go take the land. I can just imagine all the Israelites are so encouraged and pumped. And the very next thing Joshua does is he sends out covert spies. It's not exactly the next step I would have thought um, uh, would be the follow-on from such a glorious chapter. And um, there's a real principle at work here. You see, God gives his promise to Joshua and Israel in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. And I want to remind you what it is. Uh, God says to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Wonderful. Amazing. Ah, but there's something missing there. God doesn't give the plan. In other words, he gives us wonderful promise, but he doesn't give the plan. And it's, it's a principle in scripture that you begin to see is that God so often says what he is going to do, but he doesn't tell us how he's going to do it. And in a sense, I feel for Joshua here because he's almost left a bit hanging. Um, he, he knows what the next step is because uh, God has told him you need to go into the promised land. So he goes, okay, well, we're going to enter across this river Jordan. 
And then what's in front of me? What's the next step? It's this massive walled city of Jericho. And so he goes, okay, well, we know that that's the direction God is going. So let's take the next step and let's do some investigating. Let's get some facts. And the reason why he has to send out these spies is because he doesn't know what the next step is exactly. He doesn't know the lie of the land. Um, he is not too certain about um, what his next move needs to be. And I find that quite fascinating. You see, this book of Joshua is there to teach us about learning the ways of God. In other words, God has certain habits. He can break his habits, but uh, he has a general way of the way he likes to work or how he likes to lead his people. And we as his people, as Christians, we are to get to know God's ways. And uh, one of the great criticisms I want to remind you of the previous generation to Joshua that didn't make it into the promised land was that they did not know his ways. That's what Hebrews chapter 3 verse 10 says. And, and so this principle of, of God um, only really showing just enough light for the next step, not the whole plan, um, is, is a pattern that we see in Joshua over and over again. And I like to uh, explain it according to an analogy of a card game. You know, often uh, God will uh, give us his promise, what he is going to do for us, um, what he's going to do in the future. And that's like um, him telling us what, how he's going to, what the outcome of his hand of cards is going to be. He's going to tell us this is what the outcome of the hand is going to be. We're going to win. We're going to uh, do this. But then he chooses to play um, his hand card by card. And uh, it can be quite difficult and frustrating because God doesn't show his whole hand in one go. He plays it one at a time. And as he does that, you will notice in the book of Joshua and in your own life, there's a temptation to question his tactics. I mean, let's just look at this chapter two today that uh, uh, we're looking at. <laughs> I mean, the fact that God gave the promise in Joshua chapter one didn't take away the Israelites' problems in chapter two. In other words, there was this great promise that God gave them in chapter one, but they were immediately confronted with two great challenges uh, in order for them to step into um, God's will for their lives. The first was this massive city, Jericho. I mean, it, it was renowned in the ancient world for its walls. The second was this river, Jordan. We forget about it, but <laughs> it was the season of harvest, we, we know from chapter 3, and it's, it's, it was in flood. It was a gushing river. Uh, and, you know, the remarkable thing about Joshua chapter 2 for me is that we see an absence of grumbling in the people of God. I mean, that was the problem with the first generation. They grumbled all the time. They grumbled about how they're going to go through the Red Sea or how they're going to eat, where they're going to get water from. But here there are two significant challenges to the people of God, and they don't grumble. And if it was me, I'll be honest with you, I would be uh, giving this kind of response to God. saying, you know, can't we maybe start with just a village? You know, like a town with a picket fence, you know, notch a few victories um, on the belt and get the courage going. And, and then we take Jericho, you know, get a few wins. Um, or maybe a bridge would be nice over Jericho. You know, it's great to have the promise, but uh, we've kind of got this river in flood that we have to cross. And we didn't get swimming lessons in the wilderness. It was quite a dry place, you know. I mean, uh, there's some serious challenges. They don't, they don't complain. They don't grumble. And in a side note here, I mean, isn't it fascinating? You'll see it's true for your own life is, is that uh, challenges often come in combos. They often come as a one-two punch. Uh, 
for instance, here, it's not just Jericho, but it's the Jordan River for the Israelites, and it's true for us. You know, maybe in this season, uh, you got a retrenchment letter, and then your wife got a retrenchment letter a few days later. It was a double whammy, or you have a tummy ache, and you go to the doctor, and after some tests, he tells you you've got cancer, and then the medical aid won't pay for it. It's like this double whammy that hits you. And um, I want to say to you today, why does God allow these things to happen? In other words, why does he prefer this principle of just giving us the next step without the plan and then chucking in some problems in with it as his modus operandi of leadership over our lives? And I want to remind you again from last week's sermon is that God's aim, and he, he brings it to in the book of Joshua all the time, is to get us to stay in this dependency gap. Uh, he likes this dependency gap to be in our lives in terms of, of him saying what he's going to do, but us not knowing how he's going to do it. And there's this gap of need that we have to depend on him for. And uh, I want to point out the reason why it's so important that we grasp this principle is because by giving us this dependency gap in our lives regularly, really what God is trying to do is what Paul says, um, and that is to teach us to walk by faith and not by sight. That's 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. In other words, this is what God is trying to do, is God does not want us to live according to what we see, but rather according to what he has said. That is the point of the book of Joshua over and over again. So God does not want us to live only according to what we can see, but rather according to what he has said. And this was the great problem with the first generation of Israelites. They didn't learn about God. You see, they operated only by what they could see. And so when they sent the spies out into the promised land and they came back, the majority of the spies said to that first generation, oh, man, those people are giants. Those, those towns and cities are too, too fortified. The land is too strong for us. And all the people wailed because they were operating only by what they could see. When God was saying, but I want you to operate according to what I've said. And I've said to you over and over again, I have given you this land. The whole point of this um, God's journey with the Israelites and this principle of, of working by um, showing them the next step one at a time was to teach them to walk by faith and not by sight, according to what he has said, not just by what they could see. Now, this is not easy. I, I don't want to be flippant in making this statement. Anybody right now is in a tough dependency gap, uh, knows what it's like to live in the discomfort of uncertainty, of testing and trial. And many of us are experiencing this time in this COVID-19 crisis. But I want to remind you today that God's wisdom is at work here behind him working with this principle of, of the next step of keeping this dependency gap firmly in place. You see, being in the dependency gap really is the best place to be, although it's not the nicest. And Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 to 10. He said, but the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? In weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ might rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. He's happy to live in these dependency gaps, which he just explains as insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. 
He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Friends, God deliberately follows this next step principle to make you and me feel weak, to feel inadequate within ourselves and vulnerable. It's not pleasant. It's not comfortable. And again, some of you are listening in and you know the difficulty and, and pressure of what living in this dependency gap is like. It can be agonizing. I mean, Jesus himself, when he had to tackle the next step of deciding that he was going to be obedient to the Father and going to the cross in that Garden of Gethsemane, he agonized over that space of saying, God, if you are willing, uh, take this cup from me. And it was such an intense experience for him that he, he sweated blood. But again, I want to say to you today, this dependency gap that God has allowed to come into your life is the best place for you and for me to be. It's God's wisdom at work. And why is that? Well, isn't it interesting that when you are in need, you are more willing to talk to God than ever before? Suddenly prayer becomes something that's very precious to you. When you are in need, you are more ready to read your Bible and pay attention to what it says. You want to know. You need guidance. You know, God, what are you saying in this time? You, you, you're far more careful with Scripture. And ultimately, we are more careful to stay close to God. And friends, this is the safest and the best place for you and me to be. And the wonder of this principle of God working by only showing us the next step and then chucking in some challenges with it is that we see that our weaknesses becomes or become a conduit for God's strength to operate in our lives. That's powerful. It's totally counterintuitive. But when you start to see it operating, you find it very precious. And I'll give you an example. You know, we had an elders time together on Tuesday night. We just had a time of sharing and prayer. And, uh, it's amazing, you know, some of these guys are facing real problems. One was sharing how their income is likely to drop to about 15% from what it was before lockdown. Another one of our elders is facing a real challenge, leadership challenges due to COVID-19. One elder shared how they've lost an entire income because their spouse can't work at this time. And as I was listening to these guys and watching their faces on Zoom, I could see a shimmer, there was a glimmer in these, these men's faces and in their conversation. There, there was a renewal in the Lord. There was an evidence of life as they were sharing. Um, there was a real sense of, 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 of there being a sense of, of, of a closeness to the Lord. And they were all sharing and saying, you know, in this time, they've, they've prayed more. They've read scripture more than what they were doing before. And there was a real spring in their spiritual step. And you could sense the power of the Spirit at work in their lives. It, it was wonderful. I left so encouraged. And you know what they said at the end of that meeting? So many of them said they have really appreciated what this lockdown period has done for their walk. And it's this dependency gap that God created in their lives. In their weakness, they have found that God's supply of power is wonderful. And they wouldn't have it any other way. And many of you have been the same. This lockdown has been a blessing. In many ways, although it's introduced great dependency gaps. And so I want to appeal to you, my friends today, embrace this principle of God in your life. Embrace the presence of the dependency gap 
and embrace the weakness it brings. You see, because ultimately Jericho was the best thing that happened to Israel. You'll see that the very next challenge or assignment that Israel had to have after Jericho was taking on this tiny village of Ai. It was a couple of thousand people. It was insignificant. And when Israel saw Ai compared to Jericho, it was a different story. Jericho was like, oh my word, we need God here. How are we going to do this? This is impossible. When they saw Ai, there was no dependency gap. Like, ah, oh, man, just send a few thousand people there and uh, we'll take it. No problem. They didn't con consult God. They just made assumptions about how they were to do it. They became presumptuous. Without that dependency gap, they were vulnerable. And you know what it, it resulted in? It resulted in humiliating defeat. They lost a terrible battle. Men died because they didn't lean into a dependency in the Lord. And friends, you and me today, we need to learn to bless the trials that cast us upon Christ. They are very precious because they perform a precious work in us in keeping us close to our God. And, and I, I want to close this point with a final statement. And it's an important one. It kind of follows on from what I've just said is, you must remember the great danger to courageous faith is presumption. You know, why is it so significant that Joshua decides to send these spies out to check out the nearby land? The significance of it is this, is that he wasn't making any assumptions of what the next step was. He wasn't being presumptuous. In other words, he wasn't reading his will into the will of God. And this is the perfect picture of what courageous faith is to be. Friends, courageous faith is a considered faith. It is a faith characterized by discernment and wisdom. And I, I'm concerned, even in my own life, in reading you know, in, in, in the, the book of Joshua and talking about this courageous faith, is that we have a false perception of what courageous faith is. You know, it, we tend to think it's a loudmouthed, uh, boasting, hot-headed, or even foolhardy faith. Come on, let's go. That's, that's what my response to Joshua 1 would have been. Yeah, God said it. Let's pack our things and let's head off. God's given us the land. It's almost like a brave heart moment. This voice was like chest bumping. Yeah, we're going to do this. We've got it. Come on. But Joshua doesn't do that. He doesn't presume in anything. And, and we need wisdom like this. We need this kind of courageous faith at this time in COVID-19 and all the crisis that's introduced into our lives. You see, Joshua was a wise leader. What he did was this. Is he, he got his facts together. He took his time and he left space for the Lord to lead him. Now, remember what I said last week, this is an important point, that if we are willing to live in this dependency gap, we allow God to do things his own way. It's a courageous thing to do. It is a literally a, a, a refusal to take control and to allow the Lord to lead the next step. It is a very courageous thing to do. It's not presumption. It's not making assumptions. It is a considered faith. And you will find, if you will do this in your life like Joshua did, God chooses to do things in surprising ways. But because of Joshua's space in verse 1, and what he did, sorry, in sending the spies, he creates space. And isn't it fascinating? Anybody watching here today, would you have ever thought 
to walk around a city six times on the seventh day, to shout out to heaven, and that was going to be God's methodology of taking a city. I tell you what, it would be the last thing on your mind, but that's what, that's what was on God's mind. And it was a glorious victory. He got all the glory for the way it happened. But you see, if Joshua had not taken his time in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, to consider this before the Lord, Joshua chapter 3 would never have happened. And you know what? We see this perfectly in Jesus. And remember, Jesus is our Joshua. Joshua is a forerunner of Jesus. And, you know, it's fascinating for me thinking about that night when Jesus takes the whole night to pray about who needs to be his disciples. Who's going to be on his ministry team, in other words? Would you ever have thought it was a good idea to choose a Judas Iscariot? It wasn't a good idea for us, but it was a great idea for God. Because in that place, Jesus was able to learn to forgive even his closest friend because of betrayal. And God used even Judas to make a pathway for the cross. And so, friends, I want to appeal to you today to be careful. Courageous faith is not hot-headed. It is considered and wise and patient. And, and I'm very aware in saying that. Uh, you might be asking, well, then, Matt, how do I know if I've heard the voice of the Lord? How do I know if the next step is right? How do I know if, I, if I'm in the will of God? And it's a great question. And it's one that's going to be very relevant today and for the rest of your life. And I want to share something that really um, is, is been a remarkable help and I think um, has great wisdom in how to test whether you know you've heard God his voice and whether you're in the will of God and the next step is right. And uh, it's an acrostic which Artie Kendall put together on the word peace. And I want to run through that with you, wrapping up this point today. Is first of all, you look at God's providence. In other words, where has God led you to this point? And let's apply this to Joshua and Israel's situation. God had led them to the Jordan and clearly the next step was Jericho. So you've got to ask yourself, where has God been leading me? What has been God's providence in shaping my situation thus far? And that will give you a good clue. The second is E for enemy. In other words, you've got to ask yourself the question, what would the enemy want me to do in this situation? And already the Israelites knew the answer. The first generation did it, is to recall in fear, to not trust God and what he said, and only to operate out of what they could see. And so it was a no-brainer for, for Israel. They said, no, no, we need to go forward this time. That you do the opposite to what the enemy would have you do. The third is A for authority. And in your considering what your next step needs to be, you need to check everything, your motives, your methods, your reasoning, uh, with whether or not it's in line with the authority of God's word. It's very important. And the Israelites knew God had given this land. They were in the will of God. C is for confidence. And this is an important one. One of the marks of knowing that the next step that you are taking um, is in the will of God is when you take it, you have an increasing confidence inside of you, not a decreasing one. If you feel that this next step that you're going to take is going to lead to a lack of confidence in you, then don't do it. And lastly, the, the, the one that clinches all of it is, is E for ease. And friends, today... If you are in the will of God, one of the marks of it being right is that when you take that step, you have an increased sense of ease, sense of being settled. And if you follow this acrostic for peace in your life, you will find that it, it keeps you. It's a very wise way of knowing whether or not the next step is presumptuous or 
the will of God. So I'd recommend writing that down somewhere in your Bible, in your journal. Um, use it often. And particularly in times like this, friends, now is the time for courageous faith. We are facing perplexing times, unprecedented times in our lifetime. But what an opportunity for the dependency gap to be working in our lives, for our for our resting in God's promises and trusting in Him and letting Him keep us close to Him in need. And uh, I promise you at this time, God will be faithful to His words. And as you seek to honor Him, you will see Him working in ways that you will consider to be great blessings when looking back in the years ahead. And so let's pray together. Father, today we want to thank you that you are all wise and all knowing, that your ways are not our ways, your thoughts are not our thoughts. They're altogether higher. And Lord, that calls out of us courage, God, because we have to learn to live another way. And often that way, Lord, is this principle, the next step of, of really having to trust you in this dependency gap. Lord, we don't know the full plan. We thank you that we do know that you are faithful to your word and promises and that you are a great leader, Jesus. You are our Joshua. And so today, Lord, I want to pray that this courageous faith would grow in us, this wise and discerning faith will keep us from presumption in this day and age, Lord. Help us, God, be clear, clear-minded, close to your voice and, and Lord, learning your ways. That, God, at the end of the season and beyond, we would have learned something very precious. That, Lord, every time we choose to honor you with courageous faith, you honor it in return and that you love to bless lord a people dependent on you looking to you leaning on you lord we thank you for these things that we've learned from joshua today and we ask god let it grow in our hearts remain to keep it in our, our hearts on our minds as we go into the week ahead we pray in jesus name amen mm-hmm.